Sun Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Mead, dentist and podcaster. And I'm just going to stop with podcaster tonight because actually, I'm going to talk a little bit about podcasting tonight. But first, as always, I'd like to thank our friends at Premier Dental for supporting the show, this and every episode of the Alan Mead Experience. They are inspired solutions for daily dentistry. And something funny happened. The last show, I don't know if you guys heard it, um, I did a promo for their Perio Probe. It's called the Perio Wise Probe. And uh, I thought to myself, if you remember in the 80s, they had those like silly Coke and Pepsi booths where you'd like, you'd, you'd blind taste test these sodas and, and uh, you wouldn't be able to tell which was which. And of course, the, it was the Pepsi challenge, so they wanted you to pick Pepsi. Well, I sort of did this with that. With a perio probe, I had my hygienist probe me with like their our conventional metal probes and a periwise probe, and I have to tell you, it was obvious which one was the periwise probe. It's much more comfortable. So periwise probes are a thing in my brain now. And someone from Premier, after I told them about it, they said, "You know, why don't we do this? Why don't we encourage listeners of the Alan Mead Experience and and actually even people in the Dental Hacks Nation to try." the PerioWise challenge. And so what we're going to be doing, uh, I don't have the details yet, but but basically you're going to be able to sign up to get a, a, a PerioWise probe and, and try it yourself. Uh, literally, you'll be able to see, you know, you can do the PerioWise challenge on your patients or your team or whatever to see what you think, because I think you'll find it's much more comfortable. And I mean, let's face it, offices that are doing the right thing and, and like regularly treating periodontal disease in their office, they're probing a lot. And if you can deliver that service more comfortably and still get the job done really well, why wouldn't you do that, right? I know that sounds sort of silly, but this is this has sort of come alive in my brain since since I started talking about it. So I do want to give you some details about the actual probe. Um, kind of cool. I have always used the one that they call the it's like the three six nine twelve, and it's it's they've got a little green stripe on the three and below, and then the six and nine and twelve marks are for for marking. They actually have an original three five seven ten, also same story, but also they have the UNC uh, twelve where it's got twelve separate markers. I know a lot of surgical people like that one, so they have like a variety of these periwise probes, but all of them are plastic. They're all autoclavable. You can use them like a regular probe, but they're just slightly flexible. Um, super. Super comfortable, and they actually, the, two of them have this little green stripe, so you can use it sort of like a PSR, um, like a screening, if you're doing a screening thing. Honestly, it, they're super well thought out. I can't believe everyone isn't using these things, and I, I'm sort of, in, like I said, they're coming on strong in my mind because of the comfort factor and how much nicer they are. My, my hygienists love them, and when I get details on the Periwise Challenge, I'll let you guys know how to sign up and get a, you know, get a chance to try this on on yourself and your patients. I think you're going to love it. So again, check that out from Premier. <clears throat> They're making some really good stuff over there. They are inspired solutions for daily dentistry. All right, you guys. So I have some stuff I want to talk to you about. Um, as you may know, uh, podcasting is is a very, uh, it's an important part of my life. I'm a big, big podcast listener. I'm a big fan of podcasting. 
I've always sort of thought that everyone should should enjoy podcasts like I do. It's funny because my wife like thinks I'm nuts, but I I'm I literally live my life in my headphones to some extent, right? Like I'm I'm uh, oh we do a lot of farm work around here, a lot of yard work, that sort of thing. I I do a lot of walking, and and I've got. Basically, any time I have a chance to live in my headphones, I, I'm there. So I listen to a lot of different podcasts. And um, it's really funny. Podcasting for me has always been, I guess, I want to talk a little bit about podcasting as a thing because there's been so many new like dental podcasts that have come on the scene, and I think that's great. I think that to some extent, people are wanting to... Uh, I'm a bit of a podcasting purist, let me say that. So... I mean, a lot of people talk about podcasting as being, you know, like now it's going to be all video. Now it's going to be all. And so as a social media phenomena, podcasting is interesting because um, what some people call podcasting, I wouldn't really consider it like video. And, and um, OK, so for instance, to me, podcasts are special because they are an audio only phenomena. They're also special because they come out on a regular basis to the point where I am uh I am expecting them to come out at a certain time. And I don't know if, as listeners, if you guys expect it or not, because some people don't listen to it as regularly as I do. Like some people do not find themselves in their headphones every day or on the, on the, you know, like I have a, um, I'm in the car for an hour and a half every day for my commute and I'm filling that time with podcasts or audiobooks, and typically it's podcasts. So like I am expecting a regular release of certain podcasts on a regular basis. Some people might not get as often of a chance to listen to, to stuff as I do, and so they're always sort of catching up and, and, and figuring what the most recent thing is. So, But like for someone like me that's such a regular listener, it's, it's the regularity of the release and you know, knowing that you know, Friday the fifth column is going to come out, or Saturday probably. They're, lately they've been late. Like I'm desperate. I'm waiting for it on Friday, and it's coming out on Saturday morning. So I'm finding that to be an emotional drain. That's, that's how much I'm expecting it. You know? this, so... I think part of it is beyond being an audio thing. It's a uh, it's a regular thing. It's the you know they're released on a regular basis. Um, for instance, the Allen Mead experience. I try and do Monday and Wednesday each week, and then we do Friday. The Dental Hacks is now on Friday. Dental Hacks used to be on Tuesday, um, and I, I don't think it's necessarily important. Like I think there's a lot of people who think there's a certain magic day to release to have the most number of. Uh, downloads and I don't I don't know if that's true if it's true and we're missing it then I, I I've blown it but uh, I do know that regularity is pretty important in other words being being there on time every week is pretty important uh, for a listener when they when you don't get it on time I, I there's a, a feeling of disappointment on the other hand I rarely would say I won't listen to it if uh, if they do it late one of my favorite podcasts that I'm actually going to talk about a little bit later in this show is, is a podcast called The Podcast Method. There are these sort of meta podcasts, which are basically podcasts about podcasting. And when I was early on in, in podcasting, I listened to a lot of those for techniques. You know, I, I wanted to learn learn how to do it well and how other people were doing it and, and equipment and, and release schedules and all this stuff. And so there were a bunch of them out there. And, and a guy by the name of Dan Benjamin, who runs the 5 by 5 Network, which is a podcast network, that puts out an absolute ton of podcasts. Um, he was putting out a podcast called The Podcast Method, which was basically a how-to on podcasting. And a couple, three years ago, he was putting it out really regularly, like it was pretty weekly. And then it would get every couple weeks, and then it went to every month, and then, and then it went to every six months. And then, it's, and honestly, 
he's uh, he still may be doing it, but it's been probably six months since he's put one out. I, I'm always excited about it, and frankly, it always lasts too short because I like I like his podcast, but he's not really doing it anymore. And one of the funny things that that I find about that, the ironic thing, is that he always used to talk about how consistent you have to be to have a successful podcast, yet he never does <laughs> that podcast anymore. He's he's not consistent about it. It comes up. What happens? It'll show up on my on my feed, like out of the blue, and it'll blow my mind that he's put another one out. But he, you know, it's it's literally six months to a year between episodes now, so it's kind of I gotta figure he's kind of he's kind of pod faded, as the cool kids say. So. In my mind, in the purist's mind, they are all audio. And why do I think it's important that they're audio? Because podcasts are done while you're doing something else. Overwhelmingly, that's the case for me. So in other words, it's something I can do when I'm driving to work. It's something I can do when I'm doing yard work, when I'm working out, when I'm... I've said this over and over again, but to me, that's that's the thing that's so awesome about them because... I'm doing those things regularly enough where it's nice to have that distraction. But it's not something that I do. I mean, I don't I don't sit in a room and listen to it very often. I don't sit down. I'm almost always doing something else. It's something that doesn't take much of my concentration. So it's a beautiful thing for that reason. And that's why I feel like podcasts have to be compelling uh, and entertaining. Like really heavy informational podcasts don't do it for me. Uh, audio ones anyhow, because I, I want to be entertained while I'm doing something else. I, I, I want to be able to get something out of it while using, you know, 80% of my concentration to listen to the podcast and 20% of my concentration to do whatever else it is that I'm doing. Uh, so I'm, that's why I'm convinced that podcasts as, as a medium, really, uh, there's a lot of things that they're calling podcasts that are like video or, or, uh, like phone in things where it's just basically a recording of a phone call. Uh, I guess that's a podcast technically, but, but I mean like as a purist, I'm like, okay, it's an audio. It's, it's planned as a piece of audio. It's not, it's not audio taken from a video presentation. So interestingly, I know a lot of people feel like the, the future of this is video, but okay. My thing with this is that's fine, except it's a different product than, than an audio product. You know, it's, uh, as a product goes, I have to be able to sit down and watch it. I can't. I can't be doing other stuff while while I'm watching a video podcast, right? I mean, in a lot of times, a lot of the video that you're watching is someone doing something that is not particularly visually compelling. I mean, a lot of it is people driving in their car talking into a phone, and I'm like, that's fine. But I mean, that's not. It's not like they're, they've got a slideshow or something like that. They're just so if their face is really compelling, I guess that's fine. But I mean, I look at it as like, if you're going to do a video, make it compelling video. Don't just make it someone talking into a screen. I, just, I, I guess I don't see that. As a, as, like I said, as an audio purist, that's kind of where I come down on this stuff. So I would be curious to hear about what you guys think about that. If you think the video ones are really where it's going. Um, I'm convinced that audio is where it's going to stay for me, too, because uh, I think the production value is I really enjoy doing the production of audio video is a whole different animal if you've ever tried video production versus audio production it's night and day different for sure so that's kind of my background I, I feel like podcasts need to be audio I, and uh, and I think that you need to keep your content compelling in an audio fashion whether that's uh, particular voices that you're using or, or storytelling or whatever I, th- I think that's an important part of podcasting so I want to just kind of lay that down as my background. I, I mean, I've been listening to podcasts since 2006, and I know that 
uh, I've told this story a million times, but like I listened to two or three podcasts right out of the gate, um, and they were pretty much my go-to ones. The first one, and it's still going now, it's called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe is, a, is kind of a scientific skepticism podcast. It's three brothers, uh, the, the Novella brothers, and, and then uh, a couple of other co-hosts with them talking about science. Uh, you know, they, in the beginning, they talked a lot about um, things they were skeptical of, like, you know, UFO things and alternative medicine and, you know, uh, cryptozoology, like Bigfoots and stuff like that. Talking, but, but now they've gotten more into digging into actual science, you know, weekly science news and that sort of thing. They do talk about skepticism still, still, but but they tend to talk more about day to day kind of uh, current events in science now. But what I liked about it mostly, I mean, I like the topic, but I really like the format because the format from start to finish, they always had five people on the show, and none of them were, as it turned out, all of them were remote. They they one person recorded it and put it all together, but what they would do is they would do what is called a double ender, although for them it would be like a five ender. So to have sound, have it sound like they're all in the same room, I think they probably used Skype more than likely. And then each person would record their end locally. So they would record what they were saying on like a WAV file or an MP3 file on their computer. And then they would send that file to the one person who was putting it all together. And then they would put all of the, all of those files together and edit from there. So that's called a double ender or a, or a multiple ender. And what's cool about that is that the person, you know, running the show doesn't have to record all of the tracks at once. They don't have to record everything on their end. They're, they are, are putting together multiple tracks that were recorded offsite. Um, the problem with this is that when you've got five people recording, the chances of someone having a glitch are big. And if you, if you're counting on someone to have their track and you don't have it and you've got, you know, four tracks out of five, but it was a five way conversation. All of a sudden you've got a very weird editing problem. You got to edit like there's one person that wasn't there or you got to try and get, and it's a nightmare. Um, I have not heard the, the skeptics guide people ever having that problem. So I don't know they must've had a backup because what happens if you record long enough, you're going to have dumb things happen. I mean, we've had it happen before. Um, God, I, I recorded an episode. You can probably go back and find it. The episode where we had Dr. Jason Smithson and Dr. Buddy Mopper on at the same time. Um, I, Jason's mic cable like went out after about 10 minutes of the interview, and I didn't know. So the mic cable was making all kinds of <laughs> noise in the background, and I wasn't monitoring it. I was only I was I was literally just talking into my microphone. This is the reason that as a recorder, you always have to be monitoring. You have to be hearing what the recorder is hearing or these things are going to happen to you. But in any case, so I had to literally take, take the bleed, which was the, um, when you're recording multiple tracks and multiple microphones, uh, even though like you get mostly the person talking directly into that microphone, you can still a lot of times pick up the side conversation on that. So I literally had to take the side conversation from Buddy's mic whenever Jason was saying anything and like amplify it. And it was, it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. So you can imagine with this five ender, if you've got one track missing, you've got a nightmare on your hands. So, but I always really appreciated the fact that they did multiple 
people at once in remote locations. And and I always knew that that was going to be something that I would want to do. And if you know from the dental hacks, we do that brain trust segment. You know, now it's every other week, essentially. For a while, it was every week. And we, a lot of times, would have four or five people on the line. And actually, Jason and I almost never record together, even when it's just the two of us. He's in Virginia and I'm in Michigan. And so we've, we've had to deal with that problem for basically from the beginning. There's a lot of ways to get around that problem, but I've come up with what I think is the best solution. So there's technical stuff that goes with recording that I, I love the technical stuff. It's my favorite thing. Now, we got an, I got a voice or a, or a private message on Facebook from a listener earlier this week. It's kind of inspired me to talk about this. I, I've had multiple people asking me questions about whether or not I would um, I would talk about this. You know, it's it's nerd factor. I'm going to basically go in and talk about how I record, um, and it's it's not not maybe for everyone. So if you're if you're bored by the fact that I'm going to talk a bit about uh, <laughs> how I record the dental hacks and how I record this, uh, you might want to skip. But but let me read you what this uh, this listener wrote me. He said, Alan. I listen to a lot of dental and other podcasts, and by far, Hacks is the best in terms of content quality and sound quality. The sound quality is important to the listener on a subconscious level, and poor sound can be a distraction. So I got to thinking, how in the heck do you and Jason sound so good, even though you're in Michigan and he's in Virginia? What special tech voodoo are you going to get? Are you doing to get the sound so good? So uh, that listener knows who they are. Thank you very much for messaging. You helped inspire uh, this episode to some extent. So his point is really well taken. What I've found is that um, podcasts have to have sound that's good enough. Um, you can, you know, I can appreciate a podcast that's been doing um, really, really good job with sound. And you'll, you'll find a lot of the real professional places, the, the Gimlet and, and the NPR podcast and stuff like that. They're, I mean, they literally take the, the production to a level that's, pretty much impossible for for an amateur um and that's awesome i appreciate the heck out of that but i think if you'll notice that there's just a certain level of sound quality that you need to have before it becomes before it just fades into the background and and you can listen to the content when the sound quality is like less than that it becomes distracting from the actual content and that's a problem so i we kind of knew that from the beginning that that was a problem and i mean honestly probably the first I'll bet 50 or more episodes that we did, uh, maybe not 50, but but probably the first the first several months, Jason and I were using um, we were using Skype, and we still use Skype. But what we used was it's a it's an add-on for for Mac computers called the eCam Call Recorder, and I think most pod a lot of podcasts are recorded with eCam uh, Recorder. eCam Recorder, what it does is it takes whoever is recording the call. It's recording everything locally to that person. So, in other words, if I'm recording a, with an eCam recorder, it's recording it directly onto my computer. And there's two tracks that it's recording. It's recording my microphone track. So, I have a microphone plugged into this computer. And then it's recording everything else on one other track. And uh, what you can do is when you're doing the editing, you can you can split those two tracks apart. So, then you can hear your local track, whoever recorded it, you, they can hear their own voice. And then everyone else in a separate track, which makes it nice for for editing in case uh, in case someone had a uh, someone stepped on someone else when they were recording or whatever. But the problem is, if if the if one person on the other track has like a Skype meltdown and they're they're making all kinds of Skype noise or whatever, 
it's going to be that's the all you've got. You can't edit it out specifically to that person. It's a, it's all their track. So what happens is you do that long enough and you find that that's a problem. You it's you I I wanted to be able to separate it out more than that. So I mean it was it's fine and and for the most part you can actually get a pretty good sound if you if you have if you have um you know good mics on the other end. But I will tell you this. There is a certain amount of bandwidth that that a single computer can handle on Skype. In other words, when you got four people on the line in uh, coming in on one Skype connection, you're bound to have sound problems because it just that's just a lot of data coming in. So there's another solution. The, the second solution is to do that double ender, which is what I was telling you about, which you still like you can record that ecam recorder thing which works out fine and then each person can send you their track and that actually works out pretty well. So you get the the recording from that person's microphone on a separate track and that works out great. But the problem is we found that there was almost always someone first off when you ask a guest that's not particularly recording savvy to do that that's asking a lot to have them record on their computer. And uh honestly when I have a guest that is willing to come on, I don't want them to have to do anything. I don't want <laughs> I don't uh, there's been a time where I was actually going to send them one of my old laptops with a microphone in some very simple directions so they wouldn't even have to worry about their hardware on their end. I haven't really done that. I know Dr. Sean Vandeviber has been known to do that when he's been recording with people. He'll send a little laptop out there, which is an option. But when we've got multiple people on at once, I just, I just can't afford to do that. So, so there you had it. You had sort of limitations by the number of tracks you could record at once. But then I was listening to that guy, uh, the guy who does the podcast method, his name is Dan Benjamin, um, and he described a technique that I am now using. And what what it is, it's basically it's you have to buy a bunch more hardware. Uh, the person who is going to be recording it, it didn't ever make any sense for both Jason and myself to have this hardware set up in their place. And Jason has little kids, littler little kids than my little kids that would get into his gear. So it never made any sense for Jason to have it on his end. And he, he never, I think in the beginning when I first did this, he, he didn't, it didn't make any sense to him why I did this. Cause I went way overboard. But so what I did was I have four separate Skype computers. I, each one of them, it's these little mini boxes. I, I'll put a video up um, that I made a couple years ago showing someone how this thing works. But basically there are these four mini PCs um, that I have, and each one of them has their own hardwired Ethernet connection into my router. So they're getting, instead of Wi-Fi, it's coming hardwired over over to them. So they have a really fast connection, and it's not going to be interrupted because of poor Wi-Fi signal. So each one of those, all I run on those computers is Skype. I just a, a, I open the Skype application, and I have one account for each one of those computers. I have Dental Hacks 1, Dental Hacks 2, Dental Hacks 3, and Dental Hacks 4. And so when I have four people on along with myself, I have all four of those computers calling out to a single person. So you can see the difference. When when you're recording with that Ecamm call recorder, you're literally recording the bandwidth of, of four or five people on that one track. So you're bound to not get as much detail, and the sound isn't going to be as clear as if you have each one on their own Skype computer. And so what I do, I, I can show you, it's, it's relatively complicated to describe in words, but each one of those computers, I take the output of the, of the Skype conversation, I actually run it through what's called a microphone processor. And a mic processor, 
if you're interested in in knowing what kind I use, it's it's the brand is DBX, a DBX 286S. Uh, they're single microphone processors. They and it's one of the reasons that that my voice sounds so smooth when I'm when I'm talking through it. Um, it's a little bit. I kind of tell a little bit of lie about my voice because it's going through this processor makes it look. It's got a lot of nice compression that makes it sound really good. Actually, I'm going to just turn this off. I'm going to process bypass. Hang on a second here. So this is my voice with the processor on. This is my voice with the processor off. It's a little bit different, for sure. Um, my software might fix that. I'm not sure, but you can tell it's a whole different sound. And then I turn the processor back on, and I'm 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 nice and hot. Now what I do is I bring each one of my computers that I'm using through its own separate DBX processor. So I'm sitting here looking at these five mic processors in a big panel. They're all in a big rack in front of me. And then from there, I route each the, the output of those processors into what's called an audio interface, which is like you've seen mixers with all those little sliders and dials and all that stuff. This is just a digital version of that. This is run by the computer instead of it, instead of it being manual. And so I generally don't mess much with the controls on these things because they're pretty well set up nicely. So I found that when I move them and mess with them, it becomes a real pain to get them dialed back in. So I don't mess with them very much. Uh, and each one of these things delivers its own track to the software that I'm I'm recording on. So I then have an iMac that's basically, I use it more or less only for recording. And so each track is brought in by a FireWire connector, Thunderbolt connector, so it's real fast. And I can record each single track on its own, separately from other tracks, which is a real nice thing to be able to do. I'll tell you why that's a nice thing in a second. So then... What I do from there is the same audio interface, that same digital mixer. I'm able to mix the output of, I, I essentially mix the conversation of the four people together in the mixer, and then I put an output back out to those computers. So the computers are only connecting to me uh, on my end. I'm sorry, the, the people are connecting, technically each computer only has a connection to me, but since I'm mixing the whole conversation together, they can hear everyone from all those different computers. That's super complicated sounding. And actually, it is kind of super complicated, except once it's set up, it works perfectly. I don't have to mess with it. I, don't, I hardly ever touch it at all. And it makes for a recording and, and sound much, much easier to process. So what happens when one person's computer, okay, classic thing, Dr. Don Kulingowski, she's on all the time. For whatever reason, the computer she uses or the microphone she uses, at about one hour, it always starts making horrible noises. We, we don't know why. And actually, if she unplugs the USB and replugs it in, it seems to fix it. But for, for many recording sessions, we would always laugh. Like, oh, it must be an hour because Don's microphone is acting up. Um, and, but what was cool about it is no one ever had to hear that on the recording because I could just, I could just like quiet that on her track without affecting anyone else's track. So it, it makes a ton of sense. And so the, the listener said, so why is it that you guys always sound so good? And, and I've just kind of explained my secret sauce a little bit. Hang on a sec. <clears throat> so the secret sauce is, is partly that I'm using four separate Skype computers when I have four separate people calling in. So each one gets like the, the bandwidth and the, and the processor power of their own computer so that the sound is really good coming into the mixer. Then I use uh, these microphone processors to make that sound even cleaner and clearer. 
and then I record it. I use an audio interface mixer to mix those all together. So it's high nerd factor. I've lost most most of you by now, and I, I am not offended by the fact that, that people have left, but it does make a difference. It makes a huge difference as far as I'm concerned. Now, I think we're the only uh, dental podcast that's doing round tables very often where we're having four and five people on at once. I don't, I don't know that there's very many others doing that. So that's one of, you know, I, it's part of it is I really, uh, I really like, uh, I really like doing this stuff. I really like the technical aspects of it, that sort of thing. For whatever reason, the technical aspects are, are kind of a turn on for me, but that's, that's how we do it. So, I mean, there are ways you could do what I'm doing. If you weren't using, uh, if you weren't doing round tables or you're, if you were really only doing two people at once, there are certainly ways you could make what I'm doing a heck of a lot less complicated, uh, if you wanted to, but that's how, that's how I do it. That's how we've made our sound sound really good. And, um, it's been working for us. So, uh, I know this has been a heavily nerdy, uh, episode. And I know that no one really cares about my opinion on podcasts, except that I just feel like, I feel like it's such a cool thing to be able to, um, to put this kind of content out and, and to have this kind of audio content. Uh, I do think it's interesting when, when, uh, new podcasters come on the scene and I talk to them, they're always surprised by how much work it is. Um, and the trick is when you're, when you're listening to make it not seem like very much work there, it is a lot of work. There's no doubt about that. And arguably for me, the, the work that I dislike the most in it is the actual writing of the, of the show notes and stuff like that, the compiling of the information, the recording part for me, because we've, I've got all this hardware that does a lot of the heavy lifting for me. That's not so hard anymore. And I, I edit less now than I ever did before. Like I've been editing all the episodes since we started and I used to go in and I would edit every time someone said, um, or everyone, you know, there was a space or anything like that. And what I found is, A, it's a ton of work, and it's not noticeable. It's not super noticeable when you do it, like maybe a little bit. If the people are really bad at umming and eyeing and or, you know, lots of spaces in the, in the sound or whatever, it's one thing. But it's not super noticeable. The other thing is, is I think people don't mind when people stumble with their words a little bit when it's a normal conversation, uh, when it's not someone trying to trying to make stuff up, you know, like I think, I think people actually normally do kind of stumble in their conversation. So it's not too hard to listen to. I clean some stuff up, but I don't clean up as much as I used to. So I edit less than I used to. I think Jason and I are actually better at recording now too. We're better at carrying a conversation and smoothing a conversation up while we're doing it. So there's less editing that needs to be done as well. But I, so, I mean, I spend probably at this point, what I'll do is I'll, I'll set it up and I will, actually run through the editing at two times speed or higher. Uh, and then if I have to clean anything up, I can stop and go back and kind of, kind of go at a slower speed and, and clean things up that way. So now I found myself being able to actually do this relatively quickly. So I'm probably putting in per hour of episode, I'm probably only spending an hour and a half editing. So grand total for editing, you know, conversations that I've recorded, it's not, it's not typically much more than an hour and a half. Uh, so probably by the time I'll send it by recording ads, putting everything together, it's probably three hours per episode for the dental hacks that I've spent outside of the recording. So it's, uh, since the recording is probably an hour or so, it ends up being maybe four or five hours per episode, something like that. Nothing, nothing more than that. 
So is it a lot of time? Yeah. Is it not, you know, it's, but it's, it's totally fun and worth it. It's not like, uh, and the other thing is the more I do it, the better I get at it too. So there's, there's some improvements that I've made along the way. So, all right. If this is, if this was horribly uninteresting to you, I apologize. If, if it is interesting to you and if you're, if people are interested in, in learning more about the technology and the, and how to start a podcast, I'm happy to help with that. Now, there is a we have a a Facebook group called the Dental Podcasting Incubator, and all you have to do is, is search that on Facebook, Dental Podcasting Incubator, and we can bring you in there. I ask for an invite. The other thing is is that we talk a lot about this stuff uh, on the Alan Meat Experience Facebook page, and I would love to have you in on that. Uh, interestingly, I have a password. I don't let anyone else. I don't let anyone in to the Alan Meat Experience Facebook page unless they know the password. The password is Premier. And the only way you're going to get the password is by hearing it on the show. So uh, that's why this group is growing much, much slowly, more slowly than other groups. I'm not letting people in without the password. So it is truly only people that have listened to the podcast and gotten the password. So uh, I like that. It keeps it small, keeps it pretty intimate. Honestly, I think we have better conversations in there than in a lot of groups because it's already people that are very like-minded and realize that they're not getting in without the password. So again, that password, if you're interested, is Premier. We'd be glad to have you there. And, uh, man, I really appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate uh, Premier Dental supporting us for, you know, all these episodes. They are inspired solutions for daily dentistry. They're really good stuff. I'd like you to look their stuff up. And, frankly, I'd like you to buy their stuff and tell them that you heard about it on the LME Experience. That would be fantastic. And thank you very much for listening to the show, and we'll catch you again next episode. If you have any questions or comments for me about the Alameda Experience, email me at alan, A-L-A-N, at com, and I will get to you as soon as I can. Go over to iTunes. Leave us a review. I would love that. The more, the better. And, uh, hey, we'll talk to you guys again real soon.